D Smith, welcome in. It is the latest edition of the Unnamed Soccer Podcast, the Unnamed Soccer Podcast, brought to you by Three Punk Ales in Chula Vista. It is also brought to you by Sport Clips, where it is good to be a guy. Darren, we're recording on a Monday morning, um, 48 hours. I'm not great at math, dude. Don't make me do math so early. We're a couple days removed from nil-nil against Sacramento. <laughs> Happy Monday to you. <laughs> Yeah, that was Saturday night, and it's Monday morning, so everybody else out there, you just figure that out. We're not going to bother with it. All I know is it's Monday. I got to go talk a little bit of baseball coming up later on, and uh, I'm into my first cup of coffee. So let me uh, start by just commending you, Jordan Carruth, because something that you and I did not do at Torero Stadium Saturday night, either for Match Day Live pre or post and I had it intended to give you some props to give you some credit for putting your game face on and not allowing your disappointment to come through the screen there as we were broadcasting on Facebook live with Chelsea with poor Christian Pulisic's hamstring blowing up for a global audience to watch after he scores a goal in the first five minutes of the FA Cup final. Way to go. Way to be a professional there on Saturday night because nobody would have known that you were just dying on the inside, heartbroken what happened with Chelsea. Dying on the inside, Darren. I have been dead on the inside for years. <laughs> um, I, I really thought Torero Stadium Saturday night was going to be a nice little escape for me from what happened earlier in the day with Chelsea. Like, finally, I can, I can get away from social media, the clips of Arsenal celebrating and throwing the trophy around like it's a rag doll and <laughs> – like, I thought it was going to be a nice escape for me at Torero Stadium, but I guess I didn't think it through because there are plenty of Arsenal fans hanging around Torero Stadium on a Saturday night. Um, a few employees. I even saw uh, Marissa, who hosts the Fair Weather Pod, who uh, it's a podcast that talks about San Diego loyal. She wore an Arsenal jersey to the match Saturday night. So not only – she didn't even have to say anything. I, I mean, as soon as I saw her, I knew – where we were headed with that conversation. I thought I was going to get an escape Saturday night. It was anything but. Uh, escape? No no way. So Jordan and I, uh, I don't know that this is yet qualifying as a tradition, but we meet, when we go to Torero Stadium, we meet at a Starbucks down the hill in Linda Vista, grab a coffee, drive up the hill. We look like such dorks. We have like matching Jeeps. It's the nervous <laughs> thing you've ever seen in your life. And we can't even get into Torero Stadium before Jordan starts getting worn out by employees. <laughs> <laughs> loyal. Like, hey, man. Like, they just could not help themselves. Like, we couldn't even get to the point where we get our temperature checked, where we get our credentials. We couldn't even get to that point, and they were already starting to wear you out. Yeah, they actually told me my temperature was 2-1 Arsenal. <laughs> so I, I, I forget that um, one of the employees that, I mean, we've, we had him on Match Day Live, the very first one we did at Stone, is Ricardo. And those who follow San Diego Loyal very closely, you know Ricardo behind the scenes. I think of Ricardo as a Real Madrid fan. Yeah. I forget all the time that he is also an Arsenal supporter. Oh, so when I saw him, my, my guard was down, and he had this grin on his face. And I'm like, what is this grin about? What is he so excited for? Why, why is a Madrid fan so excited that Chelsea lost in the FA Cup? I thought, I thought really most people were, were rooting for Chelsea. Most people were rooting against Arsenal just because Pulisic's playing for Chelsea, scored right away. He looked absolutely fantastic. He was just shredding Arsenal to pieces. It was a lot of fun to watch. I forgot Ricardo also an Arsenal fan, so that quickly changed on me as well. But did you get that sense? Do you feel like most people were kind of pulling for Chelsea in the FA final? I can't speak for most people. I can speak for myself. 
Yeah, I mean, if, if most people are, are like me, where I'm pulling for Christian Pulisic, you know, and sat there and started allowing my mind to wander after he scores a goal in the first five minutes, thinking, oh, my God, we're going to win the World Cup. <laughs> like, amazing. We, we got like a top 20 player in the world on our squad. Um, back to Ricardo for a second. He's the worst, isn't he? I mean, Arsenal, Real Madrid, and Brazil. Like, ugh. Anyway, <laughs> we love you, Ricardo. Uh, yeah, I don't I, – I just – I wanted good things for Christian Pulisic. And, you know, I will say on social media, even though the match was streamed on ESPN+, and I don't know how many people are getting ESPN+, you and I do because that is the home for USL soccer, and, you know, we're also just sports fans. I happen to think it's a really good deal for five bucks a month that you get ESPN+, and you can watch ESPN FC and all sorts of other programming and ESPN 30 for 30s, et cetera. And it felt like a lot of people, at least on the timeline, Jordan, that they were, we were into the match, and there were Christian Pulisic, was uh, an early match trending topic and he looked to be the best player out there, finds a spot in the weak Arsenal defense to put the ball home, get Chelsea up early. So, yeah, I, I don't know that they're rooting for Chelsea, but I definitely got the sense a lot of people yeah. were rooting for Christian Pulisic. Absolutely. At, at least rooting for Pulisic, if nothing else. I mean, I, I know people who support other clubs in England that are kind of torn at times. They just enjoy watching Pulisic play so much. So it, it didn't surprise me that a lot of people. Not those Tottenham supporters. They, they hate them. Yeah, they, they, they do. And Manchester City apparently hates them too. San Diego citizens took a pretty big shot at Christian Pulisic over the weekend that I didn't understand. Um, congrats. I do want to say congrats to Arsenal um, because they win the FA Cup more than any other club. Like this is their tournament. They, they own this tournament. I, when, when I found out that Chelsea were going to be going up against Arsenal, I was like, damn it. it this usually doesn't end well. In 2017, it didn't end well um, for whatever reason. However, they find a way. They, they tend to find a way to win this tournament, even when they have not so great seasons. Like this season was not a good season for Arsenal, but they feel pretty good about it right now because they win the FA Cup, and that's good. They make a change at manager. They're kind of on the up and up there are some things that you feel pretty good about with Arsenal. So congrats to them. Congrats to the San Diego Gooners. Well-deserved after Chelsea lost their captain and then Captain America and then went down a man on a questionable call. Congrats to you. All right. Well, that might have been the uh, best chance that this podcast had at winning a trophy this year. So <laughs> I don't know how great either one of us feel heading into the resumption of Champions League play this Saturday with Barca and Napoli Bayern Munich hosting Chelsea, but that might have been our best chance for this podcast. I have a feeling it was, and there it went. And the good news is this <laughs> next season starts like next week. <laughs> and with the result, I guess Arsenal and Chelsea did come together for the common goal of making things more difficult for Tottenham, which is exactly what was the result of that match. I guess they have to do an extra round of qualifying for Europa or something. I don't know. But I guess it made life a little bit more difficult for Tottenham, and I'm okay with that. Okay. Well, I, as I said, I just was mostly applauding your professionalism because even though, uh, and as I said incorrectly, you were dying on the inside, you were actually dead on the inside. Nobody could tell. Nobody knew. You were a professional there Saturday night from Torero Stadium with Match Day Live. Yeah. It was a lot of fun Saturday night. I know scoreless draws um, – not always the most exciting, but I think what we talked about mostly on the post-match show, Darren, was how physical that match was. That was, uh, even without a goal, it was fun to watch. 
22 fouls, seven yellow cards. There was a lot of chatter back and forth. I don't know how much comes through. I haven't watched the complete telecast. I've watched the three-minute clip that the USL posted on its website, hearing Jack Cronin and Shannon McMillan. But I know it's something that we talked about, and it's something that we talked about with a guy who was an absolute stud Saturday night, Emra Clementa, who was put into the starting 11 because Joe Greenspan, the defender of the year, for the USL championship was out with a lower leg injury. Hopefully Joe can go coming up on Saturday night, but man, I'll tell you uh, with all respect, you, you wouldn't, you wouldn't really have known that the defender of the year was unavailable for Landon Donovan, but yeah, it was physical. And there was some stuff that we heard with uh, elbows being thrown and some language. And you know, I, I, I'm with you. You know, we, I'd be the first, I think Jordan, you, we would both be the first, you know, they're saying this, if this was a boring nil-nil draw, it happens. You know, it happens a lot. And we might see one of them this weekend with Bayern Munich and Chelsea. But, <laughs> you know, <laughs> sorry. But, uh, it's yeah. okay. I mean, there was like, there was tension inside of the building. You know, like, like you could sort of see it in the way that the player's body language was. You could hear it in the way that the players were speaking, not only to each other, but amongst themselves. You, know, you could hear a lot of uh, you know, very aggressive uh, language coming from, from you know, teammate to teammate, opponent to opponent. So, yeah, like there was a lot of tension there. You know, sometimes you think nil-nil draw, what the hell are you going to talk about afterwards? It's not like either one of us are, you know, expert tacticians here where we can talk about, you know, the, the intricacies of what's going on in the midfield and link-up plays, et cetera. But, yeah, like there was plenty to talk about. Now, I really thought, like, I'm pretty proud of SD Loyal for not getting pushed around, but for pushing Sacramento Republic back and saying, hey, wait a second here. We understand that you're the club that's been around a little bit longer. We understand you're the club that's going to Major League Soccer, and you've got all this great branding, and you guys have won a title before, and we're only playing in our sixth ever match. But, like, hey, we're going to push back, too. I thought, you know, SD Loyal gave you something to be proud of. I know we'll spend some time talking about what's going on in the attacking third or what's not going on in the attacking third. But I really thought that was, was something to take away from the match on Saturday night. Yeah. Um, one of the big takeaways, other than Emra Clementa being really, really good and filling in for Greenspan, um, who wasn't available that night, um, was Stoneman. And we've talked about Stoneman a few times. He's changed position since the very first match of the season. Um, he's now playing right in the center on the back line. And he's been amazing. And statistically he leads a few categories in the league um, but for me the last few weeks what I've really enjoyed most watching Stoneman is how much he sticks up for his teammates and specifically Kempen on Saturday night because there was that moment late in the match 88th minute um, bang bang play right there in front of the net Sacramento player comes sliding in um, studs are up uh, the player Drew Skundrich did I say that right, Darren? Drew Skundrich? Yes, I am uh, your expert on all things Sacramento Republic pronunciation, since I had to memorize a very challenging roster pronunciation-wise. They've, uh, they've got some doozies there on that squad. Yeah, Skundrich. so Skundrich comes sliding in with the studs up and makes contact with Kempton, and Stoneman is there to shove him right to the ground. And we've heard Stoneman, we talked about it last week on the podcast, we tried to give you some, like, some sounds from the field since there's no fans there's no one inside the stadium you hear everything so we're inside the stadium we want to kind of give you some insight what we hear um, I told you last week how much how vocal Stoneman is 
nothing changed on Saturday night. He was as vocal and he is a strong leader out there. And I, I just didn't know a lot about a lot of players because this is a brand new club and I'm learning about a bunch of guys here on the club. Stoneman is one of them, but I'm what I am learning about him is how much I enjoy watching him play and how important of a role I think he is playing with this club. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, I think, I don't know this for sure, but if I'm, I'm going from memory here, Grant Stoneman come, he comes from Lansing, correct? Which is in league one at the USL. It's, it's so it's the league right below the USL championship, which is where SD loyal plays for. I'm pretty sure I have that right. That that's where Grant Stoneman comes from, which to me, uh, boy, I don't want to go too far here in case I'm wrong. It makes no, you're right. He was with Coach He was Miller with Nate Miller then because Nate Miller was with Lansing last year also. So it makes me wonder if this is something where, you know, Nate Miller comes over and then, you know, we end up having some of the players from that club from Lansing come with him. You know, so I, I don't know that that's exactly the way it went down. But, you know, even if it's just a coincidence now, having that guy – go and not only play as well as he has on your back line, but also let's remember he's playing center back in a three-man back line. We thought that was going to be Joe Greenspan. As a matter of fact, I think opening night against Las Vegas, I'm pretty sure that's the way the alignment was. So now they've switched things around a little bit. And, you know, I'm mm -hmm. sure that has a lot to do with Greenspan. I'm sure that also has a lot to do with Grant Stoneman, though. Absolutely. And he's one of a couple players that actually made the jump from Lansing. And someone else who makes a huge impact, not just Stoneman, is Toomey. Toomey coming from Lansing. So – we see, we've seen a few players that have made the jump with, with Coach Miller, and not only have they made the jump, but they've been very impactful with the, with the starting side. Toomey's been fantastic, and Stoneman has played as many minutes. As, did we get – I forget what the detail was. Has he missed a minute at all this year? No, he's the only player uh, for SD Loyal who's played every single minute of every match. Yeah. So, I mean, he's, he's played a major, major part. And, again, I thought he played a major part Sunday night. You lose Greenspan, and Sacramento's a club we talked about on the pre-match show, Darren. They, were, they are continuing to wait for a jump start. They're looking for some offense. They have one goal in their last five halves now, I think it is. And it's a, it's a penalty kick and stoppage time. Like, they've gone dry since the restart. The very first match since the restart was against Tacoma. They scored three in a 3-3 draw. They only got a point out of that one. And they've been pretty dry ever since. Now, fortunately for Sacramento, they're in a pretty easy group in Group A. There's only four clubs. Um, and Portland, too, is one of them, and they haven't won a match in a very long time. So they're, they're probably going to survive a slow start and likely still make it um, to the knockout, um, which is something we should pay attention to because Group A is partnered up, paired up with Group B. So we could potentially see Sacramento um, after group stages here, but they're off to a slow start. I was expecting their offense to really get going here very quickly, and the fact that it did not happen Saturday night as easily as it could with Greenspan out, I thought that was a very big deal and a very big test for SD Loyal. I know a lot of people will focus on no goals, where's the offense, what's going on, why can't they score any goals, um, and that there is plenty to talk about with that. But there was a huge test defensively, I thought, Saturday night, and they passed it. Yeah, and I think, yeah, when you see it live again, uh, you know, for those that watched on CW6 or ESPN+, Plus, uh, we're more than happy to, to you know, get your input and, and tell us we're just we're giving you our impressions based on what it is that we see live but you can sort of see when Sacramento Republic gets the ball and you know they're running on the counter they are flying I mean they are they are like four or five full sprint 
right towards the SD loyal goal. So, you know, that was a pretty significant test for me because you could see how quickly, you know, once they take possession of the ball, how quickly they turn around. And it's like four dudes, five dudes just running full sprint right there towards that back line. So, yeah, I thought that was significant. And, Jordan, listen, it's six matches in. So, you know, we're not uh, saying that this is, is – um, you know, this, this is the defining uh, characteristic of this club. But through six, you know, six goals scored, four goals allowed, averaging a goal a match scored, and, and you know, much less than that. Um, is this the identity of the club? I mean, it's not really what I came into the season thinking the identity of the club was going to be. But, you know, are we talking about, a, you know, a side that's just going to try to nick a couple of goals here or there and mostly rely on, on you know, some possession? some strong play from the back line and outstanding goalkeeping? I mean, I think what it's turning into is a team that is extremely strong defensively and not just strong on the back line, but as strong as it gets in net in this entire league. That will, I think, provide you an opportunity to figure some things out, however long that takes um, up front, whether it's the next couple matches, what it looks like at the end of the season, what it looks like next year, two years, three years from now, who knows? But I think... The fact that we went in, it was going to be high-flying, lots of goals. That was kind of our mindset going into the season. It's been the best goalie in the league with an amazing back line that's been able to be shuffled around and continue to be really, really good. To me, that's the identity. It's a very strong defense, and they're going to find opportunities to score offensively. They're just trying to figure out who's going to be the person to actually put it in the back of the net consistently. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they, uh, they didn't get a shot until the 36th minute of the match. Uh, didn't get a shot on target until a couple of minutes later. Uh, ended up getting outshot at home again, uh, 11-5. Uh, outshot on target, 3-2 uh, to two for what that's worth. So, yeah, I think that there's still some things to figure out in the attacking third. Uh, I don't think there's any doubt about that. You know, who are the right players? Maybe some of this is because Para has now, you know, he's, he's on a, a minute count. Um, maybe the coaching staff wouldn't say that directly, but, you know, coming off the bench the previous couple of matches, ended up scoring the game winner against his former club in Vegas, came in uh, as a substitute this past weekend in the 72nd, so even later than he did the previous week against Las Vegas. I don't know, maybe, maybe if he were fully healthy, you know, and capable of, of playing the majority of minutes, you know, we'd be looking at things differently, but it, it just seems like there's still a, it's still a work in progress in the attacking third, you know, just trying to find the right link up, trying to, you know, figure out, you know, who's going to take the shot, who knows when to pass it, who knows where to pass it, et cetera. You know, you feel pretty good about everything you see here, but that attacking third to me, Jordan, still very much a work in progress. Yeah. So I think this is a great opportunity for us to play Landon Donovan's halftime interview um, because I asked him about just this, the attacking third, we got an injury update on Elijah Martin in this interview. Um, so obviously this is just after the first 45, not after what's going to happen in the next 45 scoreless. But here's what Landon Donovan told, uh, told me at halftime Saturday night. I want to start with Elijah. Is he, is he coming off? He's not coming off. He's uh, fine. He's had uh, some issues in the past with just like stomach having to throw up. Said he feels fine, so we're going to go as long as we can. Um, and if he's struggling again, then he can come on. And then no green span tonight. What do you think of the back line so far in the first 45? Minus one or two plays, they've been fantastic. They're uh, 
They're defending what's in front of them really well. Their passing's been excellent. Um, they've made a few good defensive plays when they need to, and then, you know, we got bailed out a couple times. John made a good save on one, um, but they've overall been pretty good. Possession's been great for you guys. You're at 68% right now. Mm -hmm. So the possession early was good, but it wasn't, we weren't getting anywhere. Now the possession at the end of the half was very good, and we were creating chances. It's almost a bummer that halftime came because we were building momentum, but now we got to carry that into the second half, and eventually they'll break. Yeah, anything going to do different in that final third to try to find a goal? No, they, they, they work on these actions all week, so it's just executing. So he ends it there, Darren, talking about the final third. And um, at that point, Ben Spencer, I was curious if Spencer was going to come off. We have seen subs happen at halftime at Torero Stadium, multiple subs at half. Um, it's a little bit different with this restart, isn't it? Because you're allowed five subs, you get a freebie at halftime. It doesn't even count against one of your three um opportunities to make subs five subs total so i wouldn't be surprised if like a lot of subs were coming in especially with a club where you're you're learning about a few players and you're trying to see how everyone works together but sd loyal is looking for consistency right now and we didn't see a lot of subs we didn't see spencer come off until the 70th minute nearly right around there um the only sub we saw was elijah martin and it's because he was throwing up on the side of the field and they considered taking him off at halftime and Martin convinced them, as you heard Landon talk about there in the interview, that he was going to stay on. He made it to eight more minutes in the second half before needing to get pulled. I was curious if there was going to be any changes up front. Um, like I said earlier, I'm learning about a lot of these players. I'm still learning about Ben Spencer. Um, I'm still waiting for the first real opportunity, great opportunity for Ben Spencer to try. I guess he had one, a decent chance Saturday night that he sent wide over the net. Um, but he hasn't had a lot of chances in the two matches I've seen so far. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, you know, and I also would, would wonder just a little bit, uh, having not spoken to anybody about this, you know, uh, you know, after 45 minutes, you know, is his match fitness, you know, where you really want it to be for him to make that kind of impact in the second half. So, um, you know, listen, let's be honest. He signed here three weeks ago, or at least it was announced three weeks ago. So maybe it takes a little while for that. Landon said he was picking up the system really, really quickly, which is good to hear. But, you know, ultimately, I think it's, it's going to be judged by, you know, how it looks. You know, that's why you have strikers, right? Like you have strikers because you want them to shoot and you want them to score. So, you know, I think that that's ultimately how you're judged. You know, we could talk about the intricacies of the game all we want till we're blue in the face. But, you know, I think ultimately, you know, goal scorers are judged based on how they score. And Jordan, listen, this is six matches in. We get it. And, you know, maybe it's sort of folly for us to be talking about, you know, postseason positioning and things along those lines. But, you know, when you look at the remaining 10 matches here, um, you know, you got Vegas coming up this weekend, you know, which would be the one club that you'd look at and say of the remaining 10, you know, this is most likely the one that I don't know is a serious contender to go to knockout to the knockout round for the USL restructured postseason format. After that, you got a short week. Orange County comes in, then Phoenix, which has three different scorers on their roster who have scored four goals each. I don't know if I've said that correctly, but they have three players who have scored four goals on Phoenix. You go Vegas, Orange County, Phoenix, Reno on top of Group A, Orange County. L.A., who has already beaten SD Loyal, Orange County, Phoenix, L.A. midweek, and then Phoenix again. So, 
you know, this is, uh, this is uh, if you have serious postseason aspirations for SD Loyal, you know, you certainly would have to look and say, hey, Saturday night, uh, draw and your first ever home win against Las Vegas Lights, 7.30 Cashman Field. Feels pretty significant Saturday night, 7.30. It does. It seems like your best opportunity to get three points because that's a, that's a tough schedule. That's a goal right there, man. I mean, those, that, that's like a really, really uh, – that is a tough stretch to have to go through down, down the home stretch here. Yeah, it's a combination of what most people consider to be the best two teams in your group, Orange County and Phoenix, and you get them a lot because you haven't seen either one of them yet. You get Reno, who was a playoff team a year ago. Um, saw them in the preseason, but this is a playoff team a year ago, and like you said, top of their group right now. And then you get Los Dos, and that's the team, the only team that has ever beaten you in club history. So throw that all together, and yeah, Vegas this weekend – you're kind of, even though you're on the road, you're, you want to at least come home with a point, if not all three, if you're looking at it, if we're, if we're into playoff mode yet. But top of the table, this, this many in, how, how could you not be thinking that way? Yeah, I mean, through six matches to be sitting on 11 points and looking down at Phoenix and looking down at, at Los Dos, Orange County Soccer Club in Vegas, I mean, I, I think it's fair. You know, and I also think something that we talked about a little bit pre-match on Match Day Live was the comparisons from Sacramento Republic because of Warren Smith, right? Because it's the Warren Derby or the uh, Warren Cup or, or, you know, I didn't get the sense, you know, as much as he was, was playing along with that, I got the sense he was sort of like, eh. uh, you know, I'm happy to talk about all the success we had in Sacramento Republic. But, you know, that being the blueprint sort of for what we talked about with SD Loyal, um, you know, I mean, they won a championship in their first season, you know? And so when people look and they go, oh, okay, well, tell me more about Sacramento Republic. You know, they've got amazing branding. They've had incredible success. They're on their way to the next level, to the highest level of pro soccer in the United States. Like, tell me more about it. I do think that, that you know, to an extent, like we have sort of said, this is Warren Smith, who comes from Sacramento Republic, who's such a great visionary for what he was able to do in Sacramento and therefore that's automatically going to happen here. And, and he quickly reminded us on Saturday night, we had him on the pre-match show, like this is a little bit different than that. So, you know, let's, let's just remember every situation is just a little bit different. Uh, they still have expectations, but you know, expectations uh, of them just following exactly in the footsteps for what Sacramento Republic was able to accomplish in season number one. I think, you know, sometimes we got to uh, us, like we got to sort of rein that in just a little bit. Yeah, I did think it was a pretty special moment on the on match day live before the match when I forget what player it was from Sacramento, so forgive me, but running over in the middle of our interview with Warren just to give him a big hug just because he saw Warren Smith on the side of the field. Yeah, I mean, we were like right in the middle of the interview and one of the Sacramento Republic players comes running over and just, you know, grabs him and, and you know, gives him a nice hug there before he runs off. Yeah, that was, and I'm sure that made Warren feel great. You know, you and I did a lot of research on Sacramento Republic during the week and I learned even more about Sac Republic that I didn't know. I mean, I didn't, you know, this whole idea that they had this branding of, of being called the Indomitable Club, and which is part of uh, the Sacramento City motto. It's a Latin term of like urbis indomita. I don't know that my Latin's any good. Uh, you know, that they brand themselves as Old Glory Red. You know, that, that that's, you know, their color, their crests. Like, you know, we didn't know a ton. And I know I'm said this during the pre-match 
We've all had a crash course here in USL over the last year. I didn't go to my first USL match till you know, last summer when Eric Winaldo hooked me up with a pair of tickets in Vegas. And for a lot of people, March 7th was their first USL match uh, ever and at Torero Stadium. But we knew about Sacramento Republic because they were such a great success story. And when you would see scenes from Sacramento, you'd be like, wow, what is that? It's as good as it is in Portland or LA, right? With LAFC. And you're like, you sort of wanted more. And, you know, I think that, that that's where this is all headed. You know, I thought that was a really, really good reminder that we have Warren Smith now doing this for our club. But back to the original point, which is the expectations, I'm sort of torn on that. I mean, I like talking about top of the table, top of the Group B standings. Look at this stretch. Look how well they're playing. I sort of like that, but I also feel like every once in a while i got to rein myself in when I start thinking about what's still to come here in the 2020 inaugural season. Right. Um, very difficult schedule down the stretch. We'll see Vegas this weekend. And I think, Darren, you and I will talk about it a little bit more in depth on the pre-match show Saturday night. We're going to be at Stone at Liberty Station. Um, the rivalries that are beginning to be created here for San Diego Loyal, and it's something that needs to happen organically on the field. You don't just get to pick a rival and ride with it. It kind of – that stuff kind of plays itself out on the field. And I think one of the benefits of having this new schedule and playing your regional teams over and over and over and over and over again is the fact that you're seeing the same teams that you normally would see um, over and over and over again, and even more often than you normally would play them. And so just like in any other sport, when you can take NFL, for example, at some point they're, they're sick of playing each other and things get a little heated during the summer and you're ready for the real season to start. Well, I wouldn't be surprised if something like that happens um, for San Diego loyal, seeing Vegas three times and already with, with a player like Raul Mendiola going from San Diego, leaving the club and then going to Las Vegas to play for them. We've already seen players switch teams. Like I've, we've already seen some physical play between those two clubs. I thought we saw very physical play from Sacramento on Saturday night. Not that they're in our group, but we'll see Sacramento for at least another year or two. And then they move on to major league soccer, but there, there could be something fun to be had there for the two years that we'll have them. But I think this Saturday will just be another small chapter, but another chapter nonetheless of creating and establishing who those rivals will be for San Diego. Yeah, I agree. Uh, we can't wave a magic wand and all of a sudden declare that this is the rival. Uh, if that were possible, I would probably pick Orange County. You know, you ask people around the league about Vegas, they sort of roll their eyes and go, yeah, it's a little hokey out there. They got llamas, you know, they drop cash on the field. Do they even take it seriously? But um, we'll see. I, I think it's an excellent, excellent topic for conversation about, you know, what will the rivalry be? I, I'm with you on Sacramento. I walked out of there Saturday night. You and I both did as all the fog was rolling in at Torero Stadium, which was incredible. But you and I both sort of said, man, it's, this has the makings of something that could have been, you know, a real rivalry. And no, hey, credit to Sacramento Republic. You know, they, they get to move on to Major League Soccer. You know, having a club from up north, having a club from down here in San Diego, like it, it sort of felt like a really, really good first step towards what could be a good rivalry somewhere down the road, right? Like state of California, uh, northern, southern, right? There's a lot to like about that. Warren Smith factor, et cetera. Uh, we'll see. I mean, those things, you know, they do. They, they, they become what they become all on their own. And the supporters are a huge part of that. It's not the guys doing the podcast, but yeah, I've, I'm looking forward to talking about that coming up this Saturday night. 
Yeah, so 7.30 kickoff Saturday night. That means Darren and I will be on at 7 p.m. Um, San Diego Loyal's Facebook page, maybe more. We'll see. We'll, we'll update it, it, you. Maybe more. That's a tease. Good tease, Jordan. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll keep people updated throughout the week. But we at least wanted to get together on an early Monday, and we have our initial thoughts in a post-match show, and you're interviewing a player, and you just watched it there in person. And then you get a couple hours, you get like 48 hours or however many hours we came up with <laughs> that it's been since that match Saturday night. Um, and, and you kind of form, you, you learn a little bit something that you didn't know Saturday night. So I think it is important for us to kind of, to recap a little bit early on in the week, see like if anything's changed, if, if maybe something we missed from Saturday night, we can talk about it again here early in the week. Yeah. And, you know, you and I also get the chance after we're done with the post-match show to, uh, you know, usually cross paths with somebody, you know, from the technical area, you know, who might tell us a thing or two about, I don't know, referees who might tell us a thing or two about what it's like getting a yellow card as you're sitting on the bench like Landon Donovan did. So, yeah. And plus, we had a great conversation with Emra Clementa. And I'm not just saying... That dude's a stud because he lives in North Park, greatest neighborhood in San Diego. Thank you very much. But uh, he just was a stud, and he followed in the tradition from two Saturdays ago, Jordan, where uh, he took the beers with him. He, he took the beers, and off he went back to his teammates. Yeah. If, you, uh, if you're going to come by the set post-match as our man of the match, you're, you're going. You will leave with beers. <laughs> I think Metcalf, Jack, uh, Jack Metcalf was voted man of the match. Uh, my vote would have gone to Clementa. And he joined us post-match. He was very good. As we wrap it up, Darren, can you give us, if you're willing, um, can you share the story of what you heard on the field? We love giving the, the sounds from the field since we're actually inside the stadium. I remember there was, I mean, it was a physical match. Some elbows were thrown around from both sides and some studs were up late. I mean, I, I, there was a funny moment. It sounded like with Charlie Adams, if you're willing to share it. Um, I didn't see the exact play, but it happened from where I am doing public address. It happened pretty much right on the north sideline. So it's right in front of me. Um, and I believe it was number 31, Iwasa, who ends up going down. There's a whistle and uh, Iwasa goes down. Charlie Adams is standing there. Awasa gets up to his knees and he goes, dude, you elbowed me right in the fucking mouth. And Charlie Adams just sort of walked over to him and he gave him like a little pat on the cheek. He's like, all right, lad. All right, lad. You know, up, up, up. Let's go. Let's go. Awasa's like, come on. And he's like looking for the ref for help. He's looking to the assistant ref. He's like, come on. Is anybody going to see that I just got elbowed? And as he put it right in the fucking mouth. Charlie Adams is just like, all right, lad, all right, let's go. Let's come on. All right, all right. <laughs> it, just, it was very funny. And it sort of was the match in a nutshell. And Charlie Adams in a nutshell, you know, just with that English accent, just uh, we've seen it in so many different matches that we've all watched. Just a little tap on the cheek, little tap back in the head. All right, up, lad, here we go. All right, continue to play. And it was just sitting down there like, dude, I just got elbowed in the face. He's like, looking at his hand for some blood to see if like, he's actually had a split lip. And uh, Charlie wouldn't have it. He's just like, come on. All right. Back we go. We're up and running. <laughs> that might be my favorite story from Saturday night. Welcome to San Diego, where Charlie Adams is going to throw an elbow your way and then tell you to shake it off as soon as it happens. All right, lad. Come on. Up we go. We're back in action. <laughs> it was physical, man. It was very physical. 
yeah. got a point yeah. out of it. Passed that test, yeah. man. They passed that test. Yeah. And that was, uh, I mean, that's the most physical match we've seen. That's an important test, yeah. um, especially in this league. So uh, I think we got to most of everything. We'll, we'll tell people to go to San Diego Loyal's Facebook page if they do want to check out that halftime interview um, with Clementa. And because we're not going to include it here on the podcast. But we played you the Landon Donovan interview, gave you some sounds from the field. And uh, you allowed me to talk about the FA Cup, Darren, which I thank you so much for. <laughs> I just I knew you had to get it off your chest, Jordan. <laughs> uh, so then we'll try to do another podcast later this week. And then again, Saturday, 7 p.m., Stone Liberty Station, Match Day Live. Uh, we'll have your pre-match show. So check it out. And we'll promote this week where you can find it. Definitely San Diego Loyal's Facebook page. But if there are other avenues to, uh, to consume it, we will let you know. <laughs>